there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one transcendent page of Talmud every day. And as we cap off this week, in today's pages, Yevamot 81 and 82, we come across an expression of an issue that has been in the news a lot lately. Uh, it is the issue of gender expression, which many of us think erroneously is a thoroughly modern concern, a thoroughly modern obsession, tethered to all kinds of political ideologies and convictions. But in today's page, the Talmud shows us that these questions were already on the rabbis' minds. Have a listen. Rabbi Yehuda says, if a tumtum, whose external sexual organs are indeterminable, was torn open, ugh, what an image that is, so that his genitals were exposed, and he was found to be a male, he must not perform chalitza because he is treated like a eunuch. A hermaphrodite may marry a woman, but he may not be married by a man, as he is considered a man. Rabbi Eliezer says, If one had intercourse with a hermaphrodite, he is liable to receive the punishment of stoning on his account as if he had relations with a male, showing us at the very least whatever we may think about this passage from a modern perspective, that these forms of gender expressions were known and considered to the rabbis in the time of the Talmud. And here to help us wade through this difficult passage is our friend, Shoshana Wechter, who is a librarian out in Michigan, having made terrific life choices. She gets to spend her day with books. First of all, Shoshana, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Now, I am very interested in your reaction. I thought about you when I read this difficult passage. You, you're, in addition to your professional interest in, in all things textual, you're also a very serious, committed Jew who, who studies these things. Tell me, when you read this passage, what, what went through your head? So when I read this, I had heard of these genders before. I had seen people share on Facebook, often from a progressive standpoint, something like, there is room in Judaism for all sorts of gender diversity because there is room. there was room made in the Talmud for these six genders, and they're spelled out. And when I see that article, it's great because it seems very positive and that there's room for all this acceptance. When I actually read this, this stuff, I was a little bit surprised by how violent it all still seemed. And while there was, I was grateful that there was acknowledgement of more than, you know, two genders, it still felt very, very much like decisions also were being made about those by some other authority than by the people themselves. Like, I wondered, like, why would a hermaphrodite be considered? I mean, I don't even know exactly what that would be today. You know, maybe someone who's intersex. Right. I mean, let, let alone the rush to get to a certain kind of determined binary decision. Right. That's the thing. That's what I see going on here instead is, you know, even though these these different genders, different ways of being existed back then and were being discussed by serious Jewish thinkers, I still see kind of the determination of, oh, well, someone who's hermaphrodite or probably would be said today intersex, oh, well, they're actually male, so they would be treated like, so a male would not be able to have sex or marry them or, and like only a, a woman could. And I don't know, it, I was always interested in, though I never did the research myself into seeing how these would play out. And I'm a little disappointed, but then again, like there is room in Judaism for all different kinds of gender diversity. I mean, personally, as a woman of trans experience, 
I'm a binary trans person. So my relationship to these expressions is a little different. Tell me more about that. Well, the way I mostly interact with Judaism and Jewish spaces, whether they're egalitarian or some kind of space, is more, I mean, in an egalitarian space, it never comes up, of course. And then in a mechitzed space, like a orthodox space, you know, I sit on the women's side of the mechitza. I I went to a partnership minion recently and I led Kabbalat Shabbat, which is permissible by people who do partnership minion, but I didn't lead Mariv because that wouldn't be. So I've always found the ability to kind of, for myself, I felt lucky in Jewish spaces to be able to fit into what is still mostly seen in terms of binary spaces as someone who's not non-binary. That's that's never something I've really had to think about as much. But it's, it's interesting still to see these conversations happening. And do you find sort of moving around in, in the Jewish world today, do you find that, you know, being, as you said, a, a woman of trans experience uh, is something that is addressed, that is accepted, that is challenged, that is discussed? And, and do these traditional sources ever come up as reference posts? So first of all, I've never seen anyone reference any of these in the spaces I've been in. When I'm in a space that's like reform or reconstructionist or conservative, basically it never comes up because it's not even an issue. And the only kind of spaces that I've been to that are orthodox or mechitzed have been kind of like the left end of orthodoxy or partnership minyanim. No one seems to talk about it one way or another. Everyone in those spaces just kind of seems happy that you want to participate. So I guess it's interesting to see those discussions, but I see lots of more calls for gender inclusivity in more like liberal streams like conservative and reform and reconstructionist. But I don't always actually see it. It depends what congregation you're in. If you're in a very, very progressive congregation, you might see more of that. But for me, actually, as a woman of trans experience, I actually find a lot of comfort in a mechitzed space because I don't need to assert my gender myself. The space, the mechitza, what I can and can't do, actually does the work of gendering me for me. So I can focus more on the tefillah. I can focus more on the actual service, and I'm not worried about what are people thinking I am or not, because the space is already set up. That is so fascinating to hear you say this. So in, in, in a weird way, it's almost like there is, and correct me please if I'm, if I'm misunderstanding it, but it's almost like with the rejection of the binary, there's also a flip side to it, which is the logic of the binary. Like, here's a space in which I could just not worry about this question and focus on what I came here to do, which is connect with Hashem. Right, exactly. I mean, I'll always appreciate egal spaces because there will never be any question, but there's less, there's fewer questions. I mean, it's complicated. Sometimes People want to engage with you in progressive spaces about like your gender expression or identity in ways that maybe you don't even want to right then. Like I imagine this would be like for any other group that's not often represented in Jewish spaces where someone says something in a dvar and they look over at that one person and like, I don't want that attention. I just came here for the tefillah. I came here to make something beautiful for Shabbat Hamalka. Like I want to be here like everyone else. And Maybe that makes me a bit of an assimilationist. I don't know. But I, I do find a lot of a lot of comfort in Mechitzah spaces and in Jewish women's spaces being involved in like women's Megillah readings. And um, sometimes I find them on the kind of more left part of the right wing. 
sometimes I find it more on the left of the left wing, like, you know, whether it's like Maharat vibes or Kohenet vibes, I can still find a place for myself in a space that that actually does specify what different genders do, because then that that puts me in a place and then I don't have to worry about anything else. And I can really just focus on being there. Shoshana, I think the only thing that makes you is what you've always been which is a wonderful and wise Jew. Thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you so much for having me. It was such an honor. This has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope you do, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Ruskay and Quinn Waller. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Mark Oppenheimer, Sarah Fredman-Ader, Robert Scaramuccia, and Tanya Singer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You can find us on Twitter at takeone.fiomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic, and we will see you again soon.